Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Palmas. I am a wife, mom, author, and lifelong educator who has been doing some hard work for two decades. This podcast is about renewing hope, happiness, and belief in education. We get real and talk candidly about ways educators across the globe are working to uproot the education system and making transformational changes for all educators and students. And beyond the why and the what these transformational education leaders are doing, we get into the how you as an educator can drive toward these changes. I am here to take away the pain, exhaustion that too many of us feel day in and day out and rid ourselves of the question if we made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. So let's dig in and ignite the joy, passion, and belief all educators had when deciding to enter a career in education. And let's make some change. So much is possible in education. Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. Once again, I am just in awe and inspired by the guest we have with us today. Gail Tremere is also a friend of mine from the Coaching Collaborative slash Mastermind that I am a part of. And Gail is unique in that she is not coming from education in the same way that the other coaches are, but comes with this vast experience that none of us have that really helps shift our own thinking as it relates to education. And so as I've gotten to know Gail, it was very clear to me that she needed to share her expertise on this podcast because what she does is I think something that educators especially could utilize. Gail is trained firefighters. Gail has been in the military. Gail has this experience of human resources that so often we just don't think about these things outside the context of education. And every time Gail comes to the table with insight, everyone in our mastermind is just blown away by what she has to say and what she's offering this world. And so I am humbled to get to share with you all Gail and all that she is bringing to me, but also what she can bring to education. So Gail, thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. And I'll just start us off again by this introduction, but having you maybe just share with us your journey in life, which has led you to being a holistic health practitioner and what you do with that. Oh, well, thank you so much for that graceful introduction there. Um, I'm feeling very humbled by that. Uh, My background is very eclectic. (laughs) You know, I started out in the Canadian military and I was initially only going to join for one year and be a truck driver. And 16 years later, I was still in and was a master warrant officer or a sergeant major, which is a term most people would know, and didn't like that anymore. So... (laughs) I left and I went into local government and when I was in local government I started off in administration and talked my way into a public relations job because I needed to pay the mortgage. I was a single mom of two (laughs) and then I went back into human resources because I was personnel in the military and then human resources and that was a fabulous experience but it was also burnout. It had become a, a burnout time for me and I can recall waking up one morning with a headache and thinking oh i can just call in sick today and then i had a huge epiphany that kind of went i have become one of those people that i coach that if you don't really like your job you don't have to be here 
So back to the drawing board, what do I want to be when I grow up this time? <laughs> and I meditated and I had taken some Reiki training and really loved that. And I thought, oh, well, I want to do something in alternative health. And when I was meditating, I would get this image of a First Nations wolf. And I, I'm, I have a First Nations background as well. I'm half First Nations. And I couldn't figure out what it meant. And so I talked to my sister, who's, who's the elder in our family, and she said, well, the wolf is a meaning of pack, of family. Maybe you're meant to move up here with me in Campbell River. And I'm thinking, no, I'm a city girl. I, I can't see myself moving to a small town, but okay. And when I started looking for schools, because I knew being in human resources, you need some sort of accreditation <laughs> so that people will take you seriously. The first school that came up was called Winsong School of Healing. It all made sense. It looked great. I submitted my application. It happened to be in Campbell River where my sister lived. And I was still getting this image of First Nations Wolf and I couldn't figure it out. And I, even though I'd written letters, it didn't connect until after I went for my suitability interview to make sure, because this was in my 40s as an older student going back to school. And the administrator's last name was Wolf. So oh. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, that's it. That's it. I'm... That's what I'm doing. So I did that and two weeks before I graduated, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I had to then take all of my teachings about treating the whole uh, and the root causes for disease in the body, not from a medical perspective, but from an energetic and an emotional perspective and put it into practice and healing myself. So I combined East West and all my own stuff. And that was in 2007. And I'm perfectly healthy and balanced mm. and, and feel good about that. Um, in that time, I was looking after my eldest grandchild and she ended up staying with us. It was eye-opening to have someone come from a trauma background and how they didn't fit in to the norm of a school for education. Because if children aren't feeling safe, she had moved 12 times by the age of six. So yeah. that doesn't create that stability and that foundation to feel safe to learn. So we ended up having one and a half years of her going through school in the public system and she was just slipping through the cracks. My husband and I have a unique experience where we could the decision was to homeschool her, but how? So Google came out and researching and talking to people. We ended up going with a distributed learning program because I, we, we weren't comfortable enough coming up with our own curriculum to truly just register and come up with our own things. And it was fabulous. We were able to take the teachable moments because we knew what was in the curriculum. If she wasn't feeling well that day, school in the afternoon, school in the evening, that flexibility to when she was at her best so mm. that she could absorb the material and that flexibility of, okay, she's not getting it this way, so let's try it this way. Nope, that's not working, so let's try it. So you just keep on mixing and matching until you find when the light bulb goes on, it's like, you know, sweet spot, <laughs> absolute sweet spot. So fast forwarding, we did that for from grade two to grade 11. And now she's going into, pardon me, grade 12 and fully integrated into public school. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she wants to experience the whole prom senior year, mm. everything. So she did a bit of a blended program last year and she's ahead because she did stuff at the local high school and then she did a full case course load at the distributed learning school. And so she only has to go mornings 
for all of grade 12, which is she can just enjoy and have fun and experience and not be too stressed out about things, which is fabulous. When we had her, we were told that um, martial arts would be good for her confidence and coordination, which it, it was absolutely perfect for her. And I joined with her so that I could help her practice at home. And then I ended up doing it for myself because I loved it and it was fun and it was, I figured it was great for my brain to learn new moves and bilateral information, which is all good for the brain. And so we became third degree black belts together and did the instructor academy together. And she was instructing martial arts at the age of 11. Wow. <laughs> which was cool. Then COVID hit and being older, my body just doesn't work as well as the younger instructors. So my low section sweep was more like a mid section sweep. <laughs> So, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up this time? <laughs> Always inventing myself. Uh, lifelong learning is so important. So I ended up taking HeartMath certification. I was introduced to HeartMath way back in the, when I was with local government. And it, it was interesting, but it didn't quite kick in. And with everything that my granddaughter has been through and myself, my husband ended up taking a certification. So then afterwards I thought, well, okay, I can do that. <laughs> So I've taken three certifications with HeartMath and then with that I thought, okay, I want to be a coach. I like coaching. So I started coaching and then realized there was a piece missing. And that's how you and I came to meet is working with Kathy, Dr. Kathy Norwood and Coaches Evolve. And I have realized that I was not coaching. I was more mentoring, consulting, or telling, which is not the greatest thing to do as I have now learned. And uh, so I'm honing my skills to be the best version of myself so I can help people bring the best version of themselves out so they can discover it from a whole perspective and not just from the head. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and talk about a very eclectic background. I would love to explore the piece of you waking up and saying, I don't want to go to work. Because I will say just recent studies, surveys are showing that 55 to 85% of teachers are waking up feeling that same way and asking themselves, what can I do differently? And so many of them deep down want to be in education and are feeling a sense of hopelessness because the system is what it is. And as a coach, as a consultant, as a person who's experienced that, what are you helping or how can you help? What advice do you have to be like, have you considered? What is it that you're doing? Like, what would you say as a holistic health practitioner to support these amazing people who have hearts of gold, who are doubting their life's purpose? You know, I have the utmost respect for teachers. Having managed a martial arts classroom, which is very different because kids are active. I can't imagine managing a sit-down classroom mm. where, where people are doing that. And as, go as going through the education system with our granddaughter, I could see despair and I could see frustration because there's funding issues. There's, we don't have enough staff issues. Um, there's too many kids with too many problems and it can be disparaging. So the, the waking up, I think for me, and as someone who's good, because I've had so many different careers, I don't really know what my passion was at those times. <laughs> Sometimes it was just a job to pay the mortgage. But I would think that someone that goes into teaching 
has a passion. So when someone gets into teaching, I would imagine that it's more of a calling. So going back and revisiting what made you do this? What was the reason a teacher got into education in the first place? And once someone explores that and they find that passion of why that reminder of why they're doing it, sometimes that's just all the hope you need that, oh yeah, I'm not in it for the pension, for the paycheck, for the having the summers off. I'm in it to educate the children. I'm in it to make a difference in the lives of all the children that I touch. So remembering that and having that, I would say that when I was working in the local government, I didn't have that passion. So that waking up was more, hmm, okay, this is just not my passion anymore. I would hope that for a teacher, it is still that passion of wanting to make a difference in a child's life because teachers are so critical. You know, most families, both parents have to work. So what, what time, you know, that the role that a teacher plays can be just so invaluable in shaping the life of a child. Thank you, Gail. I think always coming back to that why is so important. So I appreciate hearing you say that. And something we talked about, I think before we hit record, was that your role as a holistic health practitioner is to get underneath the symptoms and really get to the core of the issue. And I'm seeing educators physically sick. And I think, you know, Annie, you know, myself, we both ended up leaving the classroom because we never got underneath that. And then before, before it got too bad. So we were sick. I mean, I think I've, I've told this story in the podcast. I don't know if I've told this story to our group, but my seventh year of teaching, my planning period was at 2 a.m., because I did not have a planning period because we lost a teacher, all of that. And finally, in Washington, D.C., on a field trip with 45, 55th graders, I passed out in the United States Capitol. It was my body that said, you're done. You can't keep doing this. I would have kept doing that had I not passed out in the United States Capitol. I guarantee it or until something else happened. I let it get so far to the point that I never thought I could be back in a classroom. I never thought I could be back in a school because I was so physically sick. And I never did anything about that until my body just shut down. Annie has a very similar story. And I can't help but think and wonder, had I started listening to my body sooner? Had I not just kept pushing through and I started thinking about the why and being in the presence of somebody who could like support that. Could I stayed in the classroom? I found myself back because I started doing that work, you know, and being surrounded by amazing people like yourself and having Kathy in my life. And me meeting Kathy was like the spur of the, the mo not even the moment, but was like the impetus of me being able to be like, I can go back to the schools finally. I can be in a school and I can be in a classroom every day and be fine because I have this. All of that to say then, as a holistic health practitioner, what do you do to help those of educators, those of like me who are like just going and going and going until I couldn't go anymore? What should we be doing? Awesome question, Kelly. Speaking from my own experience as well, is my body gave me all kinds of warning signs about shifting, caring for myself. I would get, you know, I started getting cysts from at a young young age and I started just having problems and you know a, our body is so intelligent it speaks to us all the time and we just don't listen 
we just don't pay attention. I know from as being a body worker doing shiatsu or acupressure, you know, metaphorically speaking, I would say people were, there was a line here that the head wasn't connected to the body. So it's just part of it is our society. Push through the pain, work hard. Well, your body can only do that for so long until it starts robbing from healthy cells. So you only have so much. If you think about the heart math, we've talked about heart math in our training. And if you think of our us having cells, like battery cells, and say there's four battery cells lined up, when we keep on depleting that energy bank, the energy has to come from somewhere. So then it starts robbing from healthy tissue. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that you passed out, which is, I must imagine, only can imagine how scary that must have been for you and for the kids and your family. So listening to our bodies is so critical. And one of the ways to do that is using the heart math techniques. So when we can do the heart focus breathing, where we connect our heart brain, with our head brain it's called coherence and when we get them in cycle in sync with each other in harmony with each other then we can hear those little messages that we all get and they come through clearer so that that little voice that says you need to rest and i would imagine kelly that you couldn't hear that because you were so stressed out doing planning at two in the morning is not healthy <laughs> You know, so having that opening of listening to yourself, honoring yourself, because if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after anyone. And I, I learned that the hard way it took. Um, I looked at cancer as my, a gift. It really, mm. truly was a gift for me to shift and change. I mean, I had been doing shifting and changing, but I had done it too slow and the cancer had already taken hold. So it was really, really a wake up call. And when I talked to my kids, well, I was not a good cook when they were young. <laughs> everything was being a single mom, having a busy job. Everything was processed food. What can I get out of the freezer aisle that can be nuked, right? Um, not whole food whatsoever. <laughs> and no wonder why my body, I didn't have the energy to it. And I remember our house is, was frequently the house of strays. So if my kids wanted to say, hey, mom, can someone come over for Thanksgiving or someone come for Easter or whatever? We have an open door policy and anyone can drop in. And I can remember one of my son's friends saying, oh, you're so lucky with your, your mom cooking like this. And I could see the look on his face. And I said, well, I didn't always cook like this. It, uh, I'm very different now to when my kids were younger. Both my kids went, yep, <laughs> yep, smack in the face of the mistakes I've made. But the benefit of that is that I've changed and really treating the whole, treating the root of the problem. Forgiveness is a huge piece that where people get stuck. When we don't forgive others or don't forgive ourselves for mistakes that we've made that really keeps us stuck and our body holds on to that memory and it festers the more that we can acknowledge it and i i can't remember where i learned this phrase but i learned it from i have several teachers that i love through gaia tv and hay house and that and it's really loving it free and that's the beauty of heart math is that through heart math, you can love that hurt free. I'd love to go down the path of heart math. I'm going to give a quick example, if I may, and just to kind of speak to that and then really would love for you to illuminate loving it free, bringing more of a definition to that in how the heart math helps. But, you know, and Gail, you know this, 
listeners don't, on one of the first days back of school, we had a student who I, he just did some egregious things to the point that I did not want to, but I knew I had to say, you are making this environment unsafe and therefore there is going to be a consequence and suspended him. And it didn't feel good. It felt right for the rest of the community. It didn't feel good with the student. And that day we happened to have one of our our coaching calls and we did a heart math. And I don't remember the exact heart math we did. I I know it was a regenerative feeling or it was a focus on somebody. And I mean, this human that I had to suspend had me up in flames. I was so emotionally dysregulated and I came in to our coherent session and I said some mantras and I just let his face be at the center of not my mind, but at my heart. And I, and this means nothing to our listeners yet, but I had, if you recall, like a 10 in coherence. And all I did was focus on him. All I did was focus on the student who brought me to flaming fueled induced flames because of the interaction with him. But by forgiving myself, forgiving him, suddenly I had a 10, which I'd never gotten. And it was all thanks to alignment of heart and mind. And I share that story just because of the power of not even technique, because this is so much more than a technique that you're about to just share with us. But I I share that story just because I want to underscore how powerful our experiences can be when we have that alignment. So I'll stop there with my story and just give the floor to you as a means to support our our community, which is primarily educators, knowing that all of that, the stuff that we are talking about is, is just plaguing them. And I feel like this heart work, this heart math work can really help regenerate those cells, if you will. So talk to us, speak to us about all the work that you do there. Yeah, absolutely. Heart math is a science-based system. It's, it's an intelligent energy management system where we can help influence and control our emotions so that when you're feeling that dysregulated state, you know, that where you're going from a zero to, to a 10 because you're getting so angry with something somebody has said that perhaps has nothing to do with that person, but it's something from a long time ago, but that trigger is a well-worn path within you. I find the heart-focused breathing which is where we focus our attention at the area of the heart and imagine that we're breathing in and out of our heart or chest area a little bit slower and deeper. I find that alone enough to give me that pause so that I don't go down the rabbit hole. I don't go down into the pits of, oh my gosh, this person is doing it again. Why are they making my life miserable? It's enough to give me that pause where I can get the rational brain kicking in where I can make a better choice. And the more that we can do that, the better off our lives are and those around us. So one of the things that I I do when I'm faced with someone who's made me really angry or someone's opinion I don't like, (laughs) you know, that is really a strong different opinion, or I think someone is being extremely hurtful, I always go back to no one was born that way. We're all born innocent and loving. No one is born evil, unless you're watching a horror movie, right? (laughs) No one is born evil. We're all born with love. So when I'm faced with that, either for myself, that I have to forgive myself for something, or someone else, I think of them as a baby. 
they were born innocent. They were born of pure love and life happened to them that made them have the choices of dysregulated behavior. So if I can picture that innocent person and put that person in my heart as I'm doing heart-focused breathing, the shift as you have experienced is quite profound. That, you know, some awful things happened to me as I grew up and I, I come from a wonderfully dysfunctional family, <laughs> as many of us do. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've learned things that I've had to unlearn as an adult. And how I got through that was picturing my parents as, as young, innocent babies that, you know, hor horrific things happened to them. My mother is a survivor. Well, she's passed, but she was a survivor of residential school up here in Canada. She learned how to parent by nuns. So people who don't have children and in a system that was brought in to completely assimilate every First Nations person to be a white Anglo-Saxon person. No wonder she had problems parenting. No wonder she had problems coping. But she wasn't born that way. She was born this innocent child. My, my father was a, a, a victim of his circumstances and going from foster home to foster home to foster home. So their life path and their choices really impacted all of us. And I have forgiven them because they're a victim of their circumstances, just as I was. And how many people are a victim of their circumstances? And how beautiful is it if we can forgive and accept that we're all in this life together and we're all one. We truly are all one. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your religion, your political beliefs. We're all one. And we all need to cooperate with each other if we're going to get through this world. If we're going to get through this lifetime, cooperation is where it's at. Greg Braden is one of a favorite author of mine. And he frequently talks about humanity is meant to be in cooperation. It's not survival of the fittest. It's the adaptable, the cooperation. That's how species survive. And I'm, I'm hopeful that humanity will get there. You know, mm -hmm. even though there's wars happening all over and, and what's happening in the Ukraine. You know, all of those soldiers there, we're all babies. We're all innocent. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what side they're on. They're all, they're all born innocent. And if we can just spread that love, what a, a difference our world would be. Thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably. I know that you went back to your family's background, but that just so informed who you are. And so I'm not sure if that's an easy place to share, but I'm so grateful. So thank you. And as you think about those fundamental beliefs, we all were born with out of love, you know, and then our life experiences have created us. I'm wondering, going back to your government admin days, was HeartMath a part of your life at that point? We had had a wellness coordinator and I think it HeartMath was fairly new at the time because it was the early 2000s hmm. and we had a one, well, four hour session on it. So it was a lot to fit in in four hours. And I was certainly in the headspace of, okay, I've got this on my desk. I've got this on my desk. So the receptivity, I have to admit, was not quite as there, but the, our, our wellness coordinator really pushed to trying and get this going. Hmm. And I think back to that waking up. If I had grabbed onto the heart math at that time, would things be different? I don't know. I don't know. I also believe that I am where I'm supposed to be. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And I, that was kind of what I was wondering just contextually how, because I fundamentally believe we all are where we're supposed to be. And so our teachers who have left, that was meant to be. Those teachers who have come back, that was meant to be. Those teachers who are working and wanting to stay, that is meant to be. And so much of what I want to do is give those teachers who feel like I can stay. I just need something more. That's something more. And I feel like what you do is that something more, you know, we can't live in the coulda, woulda, shoulda, but you know, it's hard not to. And then like, why I'm saying like in 2009, had I had this and allowed myself to listen to my heart, would things have been different? And again, I believe I'm where I'm supposed to be, exactly where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. And also for those teachers who are like, but I also know that I need to be here. How can they start infusing some of the work that you do into their lives to help ground them and ignite them? What would you say to them? What would you encourage them to be doing? So look after yourself, listen to your body, pay attention. And our body is talking to us all the time. Pain is your friend. Pain is telling you when something is not working the way it should be. So it's, it's our early warning system that we have. So listen to your body. Number two, heart math. Learn heart math. Heartmath.org has a whole bunch of free videos that people can learn heart math. The more we get in touch with our heart and our head. So when these two work together, what comes out of here is so much better. It's so much more pure. It's authentic while being compassionate. And that, you know, staying curious as to why a child is behaving the way they're behaving. It's sometimes it's no wonder, no wonder the child is behaving that way. And what can I do in the moment to help them? And certainly getting it to parents is what heart math is all about. It's when we get our heart and our brain working together and finding a place of gratitude. So what we were doing in our session before was quick coherence. So that's finding, you know, having a back pocket of a list of things that you can be grateful for, appreciate, care for. Because heart math, the science behind heart math has shown that if we can get ourselves in coherence, because our, our heart is a electromagnetic field. And right now the sensors that they have show it going out, you know, arm's length, but that's just what the sensors can sense, right? So those around you that come into your energy field, if you are dysregulated, so have you ever walked into a room and just known something's off? You kind of go, Ooh. <laughs> so you know that someone's having a fight, but you don't see anything happening. You can feel it. You can feel that just as when you walk in a room and you kind of go, ah, oh, this is really comfortable. You can feel that in the moment if a teacher can really get themselves connected to their heart, that changes those around you. That changes potentially the outcome of something going downward really fast versus having that pause, just being able to breathe so that people can think. And, you know, for some kids, I wonder how they would feel to actually be listened to or heard or seen at the heart level. They might not understand that. They'll certainly feel it, though. They'll certainly feel when they, they know when someone is giving them lip service <laughs> or when someone really feels it, you know, that, yeah, 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 okay, or, oh, this is kind of cool. They may not say it, but they'll feel it and you'll see them reacting differently. Mm -hmm. In our home, heart math is, is a part of our home. 
with my husband and I both being trained in heart math, we've taught our granddaughter heart math and using it for critical conversations has been fabulous. We've been able to get to the root of the problem while maintaining curiosity and being open and speaking from the heart. Wow, what would our world be like if we could all do that? I can only hope that we can get there. Thank you for sharing that. I know the listeners appreciate the tangible concreteness of that. So Gail, just to that point, where can people find you? If they were like, I need this, or is that something that you provide for people? And if so, how can they find you? So I am on the HeartMath website as a practitioner. I have a, a Facebook site called Just Gail Schmier Coaching, but certainly the, the HeartMath I'm listed there and you can share my information. I'll, I'll give you information to share later. Yeah, we'll link it into the show notes for sure. Just because I think that you could offer so many educators out there a place to get in coherence and, and support them through this journey that again, so many are passionate about, but are questioning if they made the right choice. The last question that I have for you is what advice, I mean, I think you've given it a lot, but let's just come back to it. So maybe it is just a reiteration of, of your beliefs, but what advice do you have for educators to have a reignited or renewed sense of hope? Yeah, I think just recapping on that is think of a time when you started education, what was the reasoning behind that? And then take that a next step further and think of a time where you made a difference in someone's life. Think of a time when you saw that kid that was struggling, that all of a sudden, whoa, their mind blew open and, and things just became easier for them. Those are the moments to hang on to, to remember why you became an educator. So, keeping that in mind, giving you a sense of purpose and look after yourself and get in touch with your heart. When we connect to our heart, it's amazing how things just flow a little bit easier. Those synchronicities start happening and our relationships improve, communications improve because you're speaking from the heart and a heart that is compassionate, that is caring, that is giving. Everyone has that. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. And sometimes we can remind ourselves based on the advice that you're giving. So Gail, thank you so much for being just an amazing guest. I really appreciate you giving the time to the show and to our listeners. They are definitely lucky to have your insights. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Kelly. And I truly love the work that you're doing. It's amazing. Truly amazing. Thank you, Gail. Gail, seriously, my heart is truly so full and I am at such ease. I have to also say I am so excited because at the end of this episode, Gail has left us with a beautiful heart map exercise called Inner Ease that you should download and just use as a source of grounding yourself and as a tool to really support the coherence that Gail talks about. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, teachers are so critical to our society. You are so critical to our society. Number two, our bodies are always talking to us and we have to pay attention. Three, when our heart and head are in harmony, we are that much more able to hear what our bodies are saying, the messages coming clear. Four, when we embrace the ability to forgive, we are that much more capable of becoming unstuck. 
Remember to love it free. Five, no one was born the way they are. We were all born with love. Six, humanity is meant to be in cooperation. How beautiful we are all in this life together. Seven, heart math allows us to pause and give us our rational brains. When we are in coherence and share this with our students, they can be seen and they can feel this love at their heart level. Even if they don't know it, share your heart with them. Pain is your friend. It is an early warning sign. Listen to it. Learn heart math. When our hearts and minds are in alignment, what comes out of our mouth is beautiful. Stay curious. Curious as to why a student might be acting a certain way and curious to why you are feeling a certain way. Keep inside your back pocket moments of happiness that generate positive feelings and remind you there is good in your life. And finally, in that back pocket, remember why you came into education in the first place, a time you made a difference in the life of a student, a time when you really blew the mind of a student. All of these memories are a way to focus your heart and serve as a reminder of the amazing work you are doing. And remember, to find that inner ease, check out Gail's art math exercise at the end of this episode. So the inner ease technique, we're going to be doing this now to create an ease and flow through throughout the session and throughout the day. And it's something that can be used several times a day just to help bring that peace and that ease of how we're floating through the day. So step one, focus your attention in the area of the heart. Imagine your breath is following in and out of your heart or chest area, breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. Inhale five seconds. And exhale five seconds. Or find a rhythm that is comfortable for you. With each breath, draw on a feeling of inner ease to balance your mental and emotional energy. Set a meaningful intent to anchor the feeling of inner ease as you engage in your projects, challenges, and daily interactions. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to this time.